I've subtitled this story, Oops. Now, I don't even know if it's true. We, I, Jeb, you may know better whether this is true or not. Um, a couple episodes ago, we marveled over the video of the airliner that did a gear-up landing in Poland. Uh-huh. And the story at the time, and of course you never know because it's still early in the investigation, but the sense of it at the time was that they had suffered some sort of aircraft-wide hydraulic failure and had been unable to, as a result, lower the landing gear. Um, now, a listener uh, in the forums uh, has uh, directed our, called our attention to a blog called Letters from Flyover Country, which we've actually talked about in the past. Yeah. So it's a somewhat reputable blog. And he's reporting, and I that uh, he actually shows a photo, and I don't know if this is a photo from the actual aircraft or just an example, but he's reporting that they have since discovered that the reason that the gear wouldn't go down is because the breaker for the gear had popped and nobody noticed. Oh, I really hate when that happens. Man. Well, I, 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 I saw a picture, and I don't have the link to that image. Uh, if you click um, the it, link that's in the, in the item, it's kind of low down in the list. Uh, it's, I got it. Okay. You click that link. So here's this um, picture. I, I suspect this is, well, I don't know. I don't know what this picture is, but, uh, but well, yeah. What do you guys think I, about I, this? I don't, know, I, don't know what, I don't know what that's a picture of, first of all. Um, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll accept that it's purported 767 uh, breaker panel, um, and I'll, I'll accept that it's labeled, CB is labeled A1, battery bus distribution. Um, okay. I, I cannot accept that a 767 crew um, would not have found that tripped breaker. That's kind of my thought, too. It I seems just like just that. too obvious. It's, it's, it's too simple. It's too obvious. It's too, it's too, too. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I had heard, and let me, while we're talking. Um, Although the stranger those, things, those, simpler things have caused Stranger dramatic. and simpler things have happened. My recollection, and I think we discussed this at the time, my recollection was that aircraft had developed some sort of malady shortly after takeoff, uh, and the crew elected to continue. Um, yes, the malady, the malady being hydraulic related, I believe. Yes, and the blogger uh, repeats that again. That doesn't yeah. necessarily make it true, but the blogger does repeat that part. But they let's see, they say an alternative landing. So after they discovered that the hydraulic system had a problem, he says this, and this is the blogger writing: an alternative landing gear extension system didn't work because the he calls it the thirty dollar part, which is the fuse um, shown above. Um, had the pilots noticed the circuit breaker, they could have pushed it in, lowered the gear, and landed the plane. This is the blogger speaking. David, you're kind of quiet. David? Oh, David's oh, did internet. Did lose David? David's <laughs> internet has done its thing. <laughs> All right. Hang on. Let's see if we can get David back here. David. Okay, so David, uh, you're back. Uh, uh, what, what's your take on this uh, hop breaker thing? Well, I, I'm kind of like Jeb. Okay, I'll, uh, what do you what, what do you could I'll see that it's the right breaker in the right panel uh, in the aforementioned Boeing airplane. Uh, I haven't found it. Uh, maybe somebody else has. What the attribution is for that conclusion uh, by by the writer? Uh, second, uh, I'm kind of with with Jeb on this. Uh, I sorry, but one breaker being tripped. Uh, That's the other thing. One, one breaker for that airplane landing gear system should not disable it. If it does, it should also generate 
a um, a um, yeah. A that's where system. I was yeah. going. Yeah, now, all, battery all of, bus distribution system, and there's not mm-hmm. going to be other indications that a breaker was tripped. Now, all, uh, all of that having been said, uh, while we've been talking here, I've been doing some surfing, and at the Aviation Safety Network, which is a uh, uh, as as the um, um, masthead says, an exclusive service of Flight Safety Foundation, has a report on this uh, this event, and they also have a link to an English translation of the Polish Aviation Safety Organization, Aviation Safety Agency's uh, preliminary report okay. on this event. Okay. okay, yeah. And the image on the blog that we just referenced, letters from flyover country came from that preliminary report, oh, okay? okay? And that's where the labeling... So, I mean, we will concede that that image apparently does have some provenance tracing back to the, uh, the Polish uh, Aviation uh, uh, Safety um, um, Bureau. Now, I haven't had a chance to read this report, um, and looking through it, you know, there's a lot of other photographs of damage and, and all this kind of thing. I don't know that there is a conclusion... Um, in this, um, it's, I'll just read this real quick, not knowing how it's going to end. In order to determine the role of C-829 BAT bus distribution circuit breaker, functional tests were carried out on airworthy planes of the same model. The aims of the tests were, <clears throat> A, verifying whether the position off of the circuit breaker is in any way connected to the cockpit on ECAS or, uh, and or recorded by FDR, Checking whether setting this breaker in the, in the position off has any influence on other systems' operation bef- both before and after starting the engine. Um, da, 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 da. Um, visual inspection of individual elements of the alternative system alternative system of landing gear extension was made. Condition of all load limiters indicators of this system did not raise any objection on the nose landing gear or main landing gear load limiters. Um, uh, functional tests of the entire electronic electrical installation of alternate landing gear extension system are being conducted. Uh, so uh, it's basically early in the in the investigation here. That's why they call it preliminary. Right. Um, so I, I just I, like Dave. I kind of okay. Um, I don't know how one circuit breaker, especially one that's not labeled main landing gear or something like that, uh, would fail the, uh, the the landing gear extension process on a seven sixty seven. I don't know. Particularly without without you know uh, uh, what is that. What does that label say it is? CB1. Battery bat- bus distribution breaker. Right, right. Uh, that implies to me that, that there's other stuff that depend on that breaker being right. Well, there's a, there that there's would a kind of show an indication. I saw that. It would show list. some indication of failures or anomalies if that breaker was indeed the responsible mm-hmm. party. Now, having had the uh, uh, one, one of, of them- three breakers in a landing gear system trip on me, uh, a couple of times years ago, uh, I got to tell you, it, it, you, whatever the aircraft is, you're going to follow the chain of supply of power to that landing gear system sure. from the lever in the panel all the way back to where it disappears into the battery box mm-hmm. uh, before you give up on it. Uh, yeah. So cool. that, that, that really, that really, I, I, I got to question that. Yeah. Yeah. Jeb, go ahead. According according to this uh, preliminary report from the Polish Aviation Safety Authority, uh, one of these circuits uh, controlled by the bus in question, as I, as I read this chart, 
Oh, uh, one of the circuits controlled by this bus is the landing gear alternate extension motor. Okay. I'm not sure what that means. Does that make it more plausible it or less? It makes it more plausible. Okay, yep. Yeah. Well, it makes so, it plausible that them not being able to get the gear down, ultimately, that breaker had a hand in it. But it doesn't make it plausible that that, that breaker was responsible for the whole problem with the gear. Okay. Well, exactly, no, it, and, yeah. that, and that breaker that breaker could have been pulled. You know, that breaker controls a lot of other stuff like ram air turbine auto, uh, battery current monitor power, DC bus tie, whatever that is, standby power, da 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 da. So, if that breaker had indeed been opened during the flight uh, and not as part of the troubleshooting, they would have have some other indications of problems. And I'm sure their their quick reference um, um, checklist would have given them, you know, some some guidance on how to reset the breaker or or how to find the breaker uh, being the culprit. So, I, 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 you know, certainly this report, you know, shed some additional light on why uh, on this breaker and and uh, maybe some additional light on on why this airplane landed gear up. It, it does not in and of itself tell me that the reason it landed gear up was because of, of a, a breaker that okay. someone failed to reset. Well, obviously, we're, 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 I'm sorry, David, go ahead. Last thought. I was just going to follow up with a ding, 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 yeah. ding. Okay, there you go. Uh, I guess we should keep our eye on this one, especially if we have uh, some sort of access to the Polish uh, NTSB uh, information. It would be interesting I, to uh, see what I they find come up it, with. I find it just as interesting that Poland publishes an English-language preliminary report involving this event within 35 days after it. Uh, this, the event was on the 1 November, and here we are on December 5, and they've published this report already in yeah. English. I find that highly interesting. Interesting in a, in a commendable way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and you look at it in, in, in a way that kind of makes sense because all the evidence survived – Nothing had to be put back together except the sequence of events and the shape the systems were in. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you know. cool. We'll keep an eye on this one. Maybe we'll. Uh, and Jeb, can you please send me the link to the uh, to that uh, English language report so we can put it in the show notes? Oh, um, the other kind of right funky now. story. Uh, not funky exactly, but just kind of mind-boggling, jaw-dropping story. Navy SEAL Chinook water extraction. Did you guys get a chance to watch this video? This is an intense video, okay? So for folks at home, uh, this is a, a, a Chinook helicopter, which is the kind of big honking two-bladed uh, uh, you know, cargo-ish helicopters. That's the way I think of them, okay? And it's got a rear door, that, a ramp that, that lowers and can, in fact, lower while they're in flight. And, in or, and, and according to this, this video, all right, um, this is all about the, one of the ways that they uh, recover Navy SEAL teams. All right, now you've all seen pictures of the Navy SEAL teams racing around their little rubber uh, uh, power boats. Um, so the, they take this Navy Chinook helicopter flying, all right, and the pilot sets it down not only close to the water but actually dips the rear end of the helicopter. Uh, far enough into the water so that the ramp and a little bit of the of the cargo area floods so that the um, rubber power boat can actually power and just drive right into the helicopter before it then rises back up out of the water and i'm watching this going man this is dangerous i mean it's like because it, 
you know, if he settles too far down into the water, then this thing's going to flood and not be able to rise out. And he can't rise out, you know, can't lift off too fast because there's a lot of weight in the back of the airplane. Got to let it drain gradually. It's, well, it as, long, me as long as he keeps that pitch attitude, it's, it's yeah. you know, it may fill yeah. with water, but it will empty just as quickly. Well, yeah, yeah. but it's easier said than done, I would think. I mean, this is a, this is a trick. This is, you know, like kind of a big oh. honking helicopter, and plus they're about well, to pause mess. right there. Pause right there. What did you just call it? Big honking helicopter. I rest my case. There you go. You think yeah. that makes it easier to do this than, than harder? Oh, yeah. Because not it's only... Got, it's got horsepower at its wazoo. It's a multi-engine helicopter that's capable of flying on one. Yeah, okay, because both yeah, engines power both blades, is what you're saying, both rotors. Uh, in any event, um, you know, so not only are they doing this thing, but then they're also messing with weight and balance because they got water in the cargo, and then they got a boat in the cargo all of a sudden. Uh, I, I mean, you can't tell me you're not impressed by this. That you're not. Oh, I'm, I'm impressed, but you start out with the recognition that it's a Bravo Hotel Hotel. Yes, it big is. Big honking helicopter. It's a, it's a big honking helicopter. <laughs> I thought you were referring to the to the to the manhood of the pilot of the helicopter. Um, uh, there's a little bit of that too. Oh, that's pretty big and honking too. I'll tell you, man. This is quite quite a video. Everybody's got to check this out. Bra- bra- bravo, honking, bravo. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, so uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, a very very impressive video here. Uh, no, it does. It, no, don't, no, it does take hair to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, no question oh, about yeah. it. A little bit of forward translation, you know, five ten knots or something like that. You, you got you guys still got air flowing over the rotors. You got um, uh, groundwater effect working for you, um, and uh, the water is you know up over the ramp, but it's the aircraft is moving. Um, and the water's not really weighing down on the ramp. Yeah, you're going to have a nose-up attitude, and yeah, you want to make sure that uh, you know you don't close the ramp before you get some altitude. And, yeah. and, and the crew chief says, yeah, okay, it's dry back here, and you know stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hair for the crew. It's hair for the for the guys up front who really can't see what's <laughs> going on in the back, and it's hair for the guys in a rubber boat. They're going to zoom into a helicopter and and uh, you know probably with people shooting at them or something. Who knows? But yeah. uh, well, which they're is, coming you know, through all that. They're coming through all that downwash off the off the aft rotor. I, I did uh, think you can't see that, but I was wondering yeah. how close those rotors are to the to the water out back there. Um, so. Well, that's that's a good thing. I, I would guess that in that attitude, um, you've got a nose up attitude, and of course, you guys a it's a twin rotor aircraft, so kind of rotating out of the eye. But um, I would also guess that uh, the pitch the, the rotors are pitched. So that the f- the forward portion of the rotor disc is down, the aft portion is up, uh, giving you know whatever additional clearance there is. Still, you know, we're only talking five ten feet. Uh, uh, I would think between you know the people in the boat and the and the rotor disc. So uh, yeah, there's hair involved all over the place. <laughs> all of all all of which is to say, you know, this is why I was never a military pilot. <laughs> I know. Um, there's actually another. We don't have a link to it, but there's another video floating around. Uh, when I first when someone sent me this one, um, said you know cool video of a Chinook. I, I thought it was this other one that I had seen earlier. That's not nearly as dramatic, but nevertheless, it's kind of been upstaged by this. Um, it shows a, a Chinook or a very similar helicopter. I think it's the same heli- same style helicopter um, doing a demonstration at an air show and what it did is it comes in for a landing kind of slow hover you know coming down along the runway center line and then it actually it has its gear extended and i'm not sure if the gear retracts on it but anyways the rear the rear main gear are out and it actually sets down on the rear gear on the main gear with the nose still up it's probably up 
nose up at like a 20 degree angle and it's and the blades are going and it's kind of moving along the runway with its rear wheels on the on the pavement um but holding its nose up in the air and it's kind of i don't even want to call it taxiing down the runway a little bit you know what they call that don't you No, what they call that a wheelie wheelie well yeah because then he turned it around he didn't turn it around he came to a stop and then he and then he backed up all right uh-huh. in the same uh configuration all right there's, there's an image i came across it within the last couple of months when i was when i was looking for something else there's an image of a um, a recent image of a i think it's either i think it's marine helicopter actually um similar configuration but it's a different model uh helicopter um with its rear ramp down and extended and lowered onto the side of a cliff while the rest of the aircraft isn't touching anything. Mm. Yeah, okay. And, and, ho- and, and hovering there while it's loading and unloading. And to me, that's just as hairy. Yeah. That's, that's just as skillful and that's just as... Uh, Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Say what you will about helicopters and helicopter pilots, but, man, they know how to fly, I'll tell you. Well, you know, they're, they're, they're oh, a little okay. weird. Now, what are you going to do? What are you going to do they're, they're a little weird, so I guess, you know. <laughs> hey, Turbo, how you doing? Uh, hey, Turbo, how you doing, sport? <laughs> welcome, Come see me. <laughs> welcome, folks, to episode 264 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. background noise throughout the day but it's just airplanes so it's not it's, it's not really no good noise. background noise that's yeah right. this is this is the best seat in the house that's right we got skyriders now we got skyriders we got now. skyriders they, now. They, they, does that say you cap i can't it's got a runway in the front yard <laughs> <laughs> and you're in sight clear around turkey central ground good afternoon sir taxi via foxtrot and alpha Recording this episode on uh, Monday evening, December 5th, 2011, and joining me here in the virtual hangar are my two good friends. Jeb Burnside's out there talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Hi, Jeb. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right for a Monday. I'm sitting here looking out my front window and watching a couple of deer saunter by, and uh, dusk is falling, and... and, uh, Oh, let's see. It's, I think, 76 degrees. It's so uh, good of you to, to put up with that life. I, Man, just wanted to, I, just, I just wanted to point that out. Thank you, yeah. I, I, don't, envy you the, I don't envy you the heat. I know, man. It must be, a, it must be just a burden, a real burden. That's also... Well, you know, clothing's optional, right? <laughs> That's, okay, TMI, TMI. Yeah, that, 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 yeah I was going to say, there went the evening. I need another drink. <laughs> and that other voice is Dave Higdon joining us from uh, Wichita, Kansas, where it's not 72 degrees. What's uh, what's going on, David? How you doing? Oh, we're, you know, we're we're just loving the, 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 the winter weather here. Uh, you know, we got the appropriate outerwear out and the appropriate underwear out and put them all together and... You head out the door, and with a nice brisk walk with the, the Charlotte, the hound of the house, it's like I can actually almost work up a sweat, except not quite. And I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm coming to you from high atop Lookout Point in uh, Nottingham, New Hampshire, where it's it's actually unseasonably warm. I can't complain. Um, it's much nicer than it would normally be this time. This time, this week, last year, we had a blizzard. And uh, so we didn't have a blizzard this year. So it's what flavor? 
It was. It's a win. We're winners this year so far. M and M's. We did have a blizzard. We did have a big snowstorm in October this year, which was kind of unusual. But that <laughs> one didn't last very long. So anyway, I, I, I like peanut butter cup. It's good. It's good. Hey, before we get into the real aviation conversation, is one item here I wanted just wanted to bring up, um, and you'll see why. Um, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, it's not an aviation podcast, so it's a really of no interest to our GA listeners or even to you guys. All right, um, uh, but I'm doing a lot of research these days on the creation of ebooks of electronic books like kindle books and apple ibook things and there's a, a podcast i've been listening called uh, ebook ninjas and uh, it's a it's a podcast that's very much structured like ours it's uh, they get together on a conference call and they chat once a week and they talk about how you make ebooks here's what i thought found interesting about this i was i was listening to an episode and i suddenly kind of like was taken aback i mean like did a double take because at the beginning of the episode when they were first saying hi to each other they started talking about the weather at their various locations so see it's not just us all right it's natural it's human nature when you're talking with your friends at great distances you chat about the weather for a few minutes see so well and and as aviators of uh, uh, as, as aviators, you know, one of the first things we do when we're thinking about going flying, well, most of us, most of the time, is either you know look out the weather, look out the weather window, call up the weather window, call somebody with the weather, walk outside and say, "Wow, what's the weather?" Because it's going to affect our day. I know. So well, that's always been my 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 rationalization for it. But now I have yet another, which is that it's just plain there you go human nature. One other bit of podcast business here. Um, last week on the podcast, uh, we very justifiably uh, congratulated Steve Tupper for reaching the 200th episode of his podcast. Um, and, and when I was listening to the podcast later on doing post-production, I was, I was a little embarrassed, a little shocked to realize that in our enthusiasm for congratulating Steve, we completely neglected to actually say the name of his podcast. Um, so I wanted to tell oh people that it's, it's called Airspeed. You know what? The, the truth is I can't imagine that there's hardly two, more than two or three of our listeners that aren't familiar with uh, Steve Tupper and Airspeed. But, but and, and, and to Steve and those new listeners who haven't caught up to that point yet, we're, we're sorry. And we have been duly flogged. Yes. So uh, it's called Airspeed, uh, and uh, and the, and the website is Airspeed Online. And uh, if you haven't already listened or checked out Airspeed, you really should because it's very very cool. It's different than what we do, but uh, it's very passionate about aviation. I'll, and- I'll always in the yellow arc. Exactly right. Exactly right. Okay, aviation. What do we got here? Um, oh, this link is actually from Steve Tupper. The, um, our, our reference from Steve. We talked about. Um, uh, There was a video, I guess, last week where um, um, an an off-field landing where a a Cessna 172 landed on a highway was actually captured by a camera in the airplane uh, from someone in the back seat. And it was a pretty cool video. Um, Steve saw that video, and um, I don't know if it it reminded him or caused him to find, but he found another video of an airplane landing on interstate. And this one is kind of interesting because there's a news, well, as a lot of times there's a news story from the local news TV talking about it. And uh, it actually had a pretty fair um, um, account of the whole situation of the airplane that looked like a 150 or a 152 or something like that, uh, landed on I-95, I believe it was in Florida someplace. Um, And... uh, uh, and they t- they did a they they apparently did a field repair right there on the median strip, and uh, and as a result got the airplane airworthy again and took off right also, there. Also also known as adding gasoline. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now here's what I want to know, and I don't I'm not playing the video here because I don't dare with my bandwidth. All right, but I think when I watched the video, it showed a shot of the 
of the cylinder heads removed. I mean, it showed major disassembly of the engine, I thought. And, I, and I'm thinking that, that's a pretty major field repair. That's a pretty major repair for, for a median strip. I mean, I, I know that, you know, A&Bs are wah. magical wizards, but that seems kind of extreme. Um, and a little extreme for the whole, you know, kind of you needed to wet down the inside of the gas tank kind of fix. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I say, you know, add gas as the fix, and I'm, and I'm being facetious. I don't know the circumstances, and I'm, I'm sure that uh, that's, that's probably not the case. Yeah. And, and well, I'll... David, go ahead. Well, uh, I was just going to say, uh, a number of years ago, we were we were waiting for an airplane to de-ice through through thermal attrition uh, when a young man came in who had landed on a road about three miles from the airport. Uh, it was a precautionary because of an electrical system problem mm-hmm. uh, that was basically rendering him uh, deaf, dumb, and blind, and and. Uh, they did a field repair. He and a mechanic, and he called the FAA about taking off off the road. And after he provided some performance numbers, uh, how long he expected to be, and they did a little measuring, uh, the FAA signed off on it and said, yeah, as long as you're going to the nearest airport to finish the repairs. And that's what he did. He took off this road. Now, it was far from as busy as as, a stretch of Interstate 95 in Florida, but... uh, they did the same thing. Law enforcement blocked off the road at appropriate distances. Uh, the guy went out, fired it up, taxied the length to make sure that they were right on all the wingtip clearances, and off he went into the wild blue. Yeah. And that's apparently what happened here, is uh, whatever the repair was, they completed the repair uh, on the medium. So I'm actually ch- taking a chance and, and watching this video now. I want to see if, I'm, if I saw Well, you're right. You're right. There is a point there where they, do. they okay. show us a shot with the cylinder off. Okay, the case. I'm not losing my mind. Um, it was. I'm remembering well, now, now. That's a that's a different question. What's that? You're losing your mind. But oh, that's yeah, I know. The- um, yeah. So uh, they had the cowling off, and uh, okay, I'm about to see. Yeah, there it is, right there. With the, one of the at least one of the cylinder heads is removed, and you can see yeah, it very clearly. One of the cylinders. Oh, the cylinders removed. Okay, yes, and uh, and I'm remembering now. Um, it was a apparently an instructor student pilot or an instructor trainee kind of situation, um, and. Uh, um, they interviewed the, uh, I believe, the CFI who made some kind of terse but but reasonable comments about the whole situation. Uh, the report was actually very, very positive, very, and there's a cool piece of video. So that's the two things. Congratulations to the pilot and to the trainee who uh, successfully got the airplane on the ground. And also, cool um, little fragment of video here because they actually had a camera on, I don't know whether it's on a boom or, uh, it was off the ground apparently, and um Oh, yeah, the takeoff and shot. And it showed it's... the takeoff with the airplane flying at the camera and actually having to turn away to not, you know, collide or whatever, overfly the camera. Um, it's a cool little piece of video that shows this guy taking off. Uh, I, I think he was turning away to keep from hitting the light poles on the overpass where the camera was. I used. think that's probably what it was. It was one of those yeah. transportation department uh, cameras that are on the... Uh, they really frown after a dead stick landing on a major interstate highway, a repair and relaunch if you have a controlled flight into an obstacle. That's kind of going to undo all your good karma. Oh, it's like, oh, darn. darn. Well, I'm... I'm I accept, you know, that report and, and, and all that kind of thing. I'm kind of curious as to why they had to check with the FAA. 
Because I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious as to which federal regulation it is that says you can't take off from a roadway after you've landed there in an emergency. Yeah, probably. You not. know, in the in the case of the guy that we we met uh, those years ago who did that, uh, one of the people that at the airport asked him, "Why did you call them and ask?" And he said because he thought it was the right thing to do. And besides, the tower controllers had seen him go down on right. radar, right. so they already knew. Yeah, no, I get all that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I know, Jeb, but I, um, you know, I like David. You, I know you're being a little facetious. Um, no, I, I, yeah. I, I agree with Jeb. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm, sure you know, there's I'm, a regulation that requires it. No, no, there's not. No, there's I think not. you know. I mean, if if nothing else, you know, the the cops in a overabundance of thinking that's what's required probably did it. You know, but yeah, I was going to say once they're asked, yeah, so once they're brought in, they are going to express an opinion. We don't. We don't know exactly how this all played out, but it appeared to play out pretty reasonably. And uh, you know, so anyways, congratulations to the to two pilots. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a great landing. Yeah, uh, and congratulations to the uh, news people for presenting it pretty pretty fairly. And it absolutely. just seemed like a good deal all around. Good deal. All and around. Uh, and and uh, there are probably other pilots in Florida who would be interested in knowing the number of a mechanic that makes interstate uh, 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 service calls. Yeah. Sorry. Has yeah. a set of cylinder wrenches and and ready to go to work. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Now I, I would name the pilot, but it's not um, it's not apparent on the in the YouTube video notes. So uh, we'll have to leave that for another time. But uh, but it, it was in Florida and uh, on the over on, on the uh, on the aforementioned I ninety five the east coast of Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, we don't okay. do we don't do breaking news. Um, um, we, we don't even really do news, but, uh, but <laughs> and that would be news to us. Yeah, I know. Uh, we use news, as a, news we, we use news as a, as a thing to kind of begin conversations here, but, uh, there is a bit of breaking news just this afternoon. That's kind of weird, kind of troubling, kind of, um, so, uh, the administrator of the FAA, Randy Babbitt, um, who, by all indications I've ever come across as a pretty decent guy and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a uh, fair, square guy, um, got himself in a jam uh, sometime in the last couple of days, uh, arrested for uh, uh, and, and accused of uh, DUI while driving in uh, Fairfax City, which is, what's the, is that in, where's Fairfax City, Virginia? Yes. It's fair, DC, yeah, it's DC suburbs. DC yeah, suburbs, DC. Fairfax City. Um, yeah, he, he, he lives out in Reston, which is on the way to Dulles. Uh, and coincidentally, a uh, neighborhood where my wife and her parents lived when, when, when we met. Yeah. So this is kind of unfortunate. Um, I mean, certainly there's no justification for driving while you're under the influence, but, uh, um, but you know, he's well, one of first, us. Well, let's, let's do a couple of things here real first, do real it. quickly. Yep. He's been, he's been arrested, um, and charged with driving under the influence. Uh, that's not the same as having been found guilty exactly of driving right. under the flu- Absolutely. influence. Absolutely. Yep. And um, there are there are obviously different shades of that. Also, there's, um, you know, if he if he was in fact over the, or at the legal limit, um, that in in and of itself could be argued down. There's all kinds of variances in in how that uh, how that is processed. Nevertheless, um, it's it's a very unfortunate episode. Yeah, and you know the administrator, uh, he's a good guy. There's no question about that. But. I, uh, um, I kind of wonder, you know, how much longer he's going to be in that position. Yeah, you know, and and so the the latest apparently, and this is again according to the news reports we're seeing, is that uh, Administrator Babbitt 
uh, himself requested a leave of absence um, as a result of this. Yes. Um, yes. And, and in fact has left the job for now. Um, and uh, um, one of his deputies is apparently now acting as administrator. I saw that name earlier and now I'm not. Yeah, Mike, Michael Huerta. Okay. Do we know that guy? Uh, not real well, no. Yeah, okay. So we'll see how this plays out. Um, it's very unfortunate. Um, of course, there, if if it's true, if it really did happen, there's no excuse for it. There ought to be consequences. But on the other hand, th- this seems like a good guy, and I hope hopefully he comes out of it well, if not employed, um, if if you know what I mean by that. I mean, I just sure, I wish him it, the best. Um, but if he did it, there should be consequences. If he didn't do it, he should be, you know, Cleared. Well, there there have already been consequences just uh, yeah. from the arrest and the accusation. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know that's 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 real life in today's in today's world. Uh, even if you're not a public figure, and obviously uh, Randy's something of a public figure as head of the FAA, uh, and it doesn't take away from the reasons he's at the FAA. Uh, you know, he was an airline pilot for 25 years. Uh, he ran the Airline Pilots Association for a long time. Uh, he's got a good head for both, and he flies little airplanes. He's got a good head for commercial aviation. He's got a good head for GA. He's got a good head for aviation safety and labor relations, which was something the agency had kind of lacked for Tell a number of years yeah. before his arrival. So, yeah. so none of this takes away from that. What goes, what happens here downstream uh, should not be the final mark on, on this man's ledger, uh, you know, whatever, however that turns out. Yeah. Now, um, let's go hypothetical here. Now, let's not talk specifically about Administrator Babbitt. Let's just talk in general. What happens um, does... If one is convicted of DUI, does it have an impact on your pilot's license? Yeah, Obviously, absolutely. we know the bottle, the throttle, the eight-hour, those kinds of rules. Um, right. <clears throat> but but if there's no airplane involved, if you get convicted of driving a car under the influence, um, d- does that have an impact on your? I seem to remember there's a question like that on the medical uh, questionnaire when you when you. I, I'm sorry, that's absolutely uh, going to come up on your medical. Yeah, I refer you to um, FAR 61.15. Yes, which you already have. Thank you for that. I, well, yeah. what, what's the relevant uh, off, passages uh, here? Offenses involving alcohol or drugs. Okay. And, and basically what it says is, a, it defines a motor vehicle action. A motor vehicle action is um, being found guilty of uh, let me uh, conviction. Let me let me rephrase that conviction. So basically, being found guilty um, for operating a motor vehicle under alcohol or under the influence of alcohol or drugs. Basically, it's what we're talking about. And this this is after November twenty nine, nineteen ninety. The motor vehicle action under FAR sixty one point fifteen is grounds for denial of an application for any certificate rating or authorization. Um, up for for a period of up to one year after the date of the last motor motor vehicle action. Ah, okay, all right. Okay, now the, uh, the person holding the certificate must provide a written report of each motor vehicle action to the FAA not later than sixty days after said action, detailing various facts and, and, and information about that. Failure to comply with that report requirement also is grounds for denial. Um, it is also grounds for suspension or revocation. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of your medical or of your certificate? Of your certificate. Okay. Okay. And now uh, the, the medical connection is they ask the question when you do the, the medical renewal. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, I'm trying to find something here. I saw something that the while the the one one occurrence is grounds for uh, a second occurrence within a certain period of time is uh, automatic. Uh, um, I can't remember where I saw that, and I may not I may not have my facts right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but you know, one one more you know one more reason to take a cab. Or take the subway, or stay home. There's a thought. Yeah, really. David, anything you want to add to this? No. The hypothetical I, uh, part. <laughs> well, here, here's the bottom line. You, you got 60 days to report something like this, mm-hmm. something covered by this. 60 days, folks. Not your next medical renewal. Right. You get to your next medical renewal and report this as you're required to and have the documentation required, and, and, and that renewal is coming outside the 60 days, when you're supposed to report, uh, well, your wingtip's in a sling anyway. Yeah. Uh, 60, so, 60 days after a conviction, I would imagine. Right. After the motor vehicle action is the way it says. So, yeah, I would take that to mean that they're talking about the conviction. Not the arrest. Uh, not the arrest. Uh, here's what happens if you fail to report this uh, like you're supposed to. Uh, you got all your ratings out the window. All your ratings, all your licenses, more than all suspended. The certificates, they can go right out the window with this. So what I know it, people it, that this has happened to. Really? So when you say out the window, you mean like then you have to go back and retrain and get recertified? Yes. Really? Yes. Wow. You got to pass the test. You got to pass the check rides, uh, the writtens and the practicals all over again. You don't have to refly all the training and relog all the hours that helped you get those to begin with. But you're back to now. You've got to, okay. You got to, you got to do your private. You got to do your instrument or your commercial in your instrument or your ATP in your instrument, uh, multi-engine, multi-engine instrument. Uh, you're basically starting like you never passed any of those exams. And this is this yeah. is no this is nowhere nowhere to screw up. Yeah. Man, because that's that's what I know to hap- happened uh, to to people who really quite innocently thought that all they had to do was bring this up at the medical renewal. Yeah, they knew it was reportable. They didn't really grok the details, and they didn't. Well, what'd be the word I'd want here? They didn't consult with counsel expert in the aviation aspects of this only in the DUI aspects of it mm-hmm. as a you know as a driver yeah uh, so they got good counsel there and they wound up in good shape they weren't convicted two of them I know were never convicted but they went through diversion oh wait 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 wait, wait a minute so they were not convicted of DUI no but they got busted for not reporting I thought we said a minute well, ago it, it, they they were convicted. They went through a diversion program. The conviction came off before oh. they re, before they had to renew. Wow. Okay, yeah. But they had not reported that conviction, even though it was all set up. You go through this program, yeah, it'll yeah. be expunged no. in six months. Now I hear what you're saying. Yeah, that's pretty okay, interesting. So the conviction happened. Yeah. Okay. That started the sixty day clock running. Yeah, yeah. Now I hear you now. That's really interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, clearly, clearly, pilots don't let pilot friends drive drunk. That's you know, that's like we try not well, to. Yeah, there's two other things. Well, there's two things going on here. One is um, the issue of uh, whether or not he will be convicted and whether or not that is reportable um, to the FAA 
uh, based on you know whether he wants to keep his uh, his, his uh, certificate and ratings. Yeah. Um, the other thing going on here is just the overall political propriety, if you will, of an FAA administrator um, um, forget being convicted, being charged with yeah, DUI. Yeah, it's, it's okay. a mess. There's no question there, there, There's it. a big mess here, and um, I'm not really sure how I fall down on that. Um, on one level, um, the FAA has been hyperactive, hypercritical um, on um, DUIs for pilots, and we've just seen, you know, we just read off the regulation on this. Um, and there's a world of difference between having a couple of three beers on the way home uh, and, you know, ping, just barely pinging the meter and flying an aircraft while being intoxicated. A world of difference. Yeah. And, and of course, the FAA is, is you know, uh, trying to err on the side of caution, but but without any um, uh, uh, without any uh, uh, consideration for you know honest mistakes or or uh, uh, any, anything else, there's no um, um, there's no softness in their policies. I don't know where I come down on all this. Uh, on on one level, um, this is you know the FAA administrator. He is the the person charged by statute um, with enforcing uh, the FARs. Um, and he is in also, you know, a, a you know, an opinion leader. He is also the one who is supposedly setting an example uh, for the rest of us. Now, what will happen between now and February two, when his court date is supposedly set? If it were me, I'd you know be trying to speed up that court date. I would want to get this resolved as soon as I could. I'd get you know some of the there's there some very good lawyers in Fairfax County court system. We've been using conviction here is the trigger right uh for most of this it bears pointing out that under a section where they talk about reportability here and what you sp- should report they repeatedly note conviction or administrative action right so that means that if the state takes some kind of action from you even though the words not even though the words may not appear like conviction or guilty if there's an administrative action affecting you your driver's uh, license your driving privileges uh that all factors into it uh suggestion if you you know suddenly find that yourself uh in this situation uh that's a good reason to call a lawyer yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and at uh, I'm sorry. At the risk of making light of this situation, I don't think the the administrator Babbitt has to worry about the reporting thing, because I would imagine the language here is that you have to report to the administrator. To the administrator, right? And so, <laughs> I think uh, the administrator knows. Uh, yeah. Moving on. So, moving so on. he's yeah. got to write memo to myself. Yeah, that's right. Note uh, to uh, self. Myself on this date, but that's only if there's a conviction or an administrative action. That's right. Which is yet to be determined. Yes. Actually, we actually, wish the administrator good luck there. Actually, Actually, he has to file a report with Oak City. So, yeah, okay. Um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have made light of it. It's a serious no, thing, but, and uh, um, but I, all, all that having been said, I'll be shocked if he's still in office at the end of the month. I think I agree with you. It's just unfortunate, but that's the way it works. Yeah. yeah. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. 
Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. Oh, and real pilots fly Cessnas. Moving on, uh, one bit of uh, podcast business here. Um, we've been, uh, for some time now, running the uh, the UCAP Fall Listener Survey. We've been getting some great, great feedback and information from our listeners. Um, and uh, we're about to close that down. Uh, we're actually going to leave, it's today's the 5th of December. I'm going to leave it up until the 15th, which is a little bit longer than I had originally intended. But uh, I just want to make sure everybody gets a chance. Um, I, I, in fact, I realize that most people have uh, already taken an opportunity um, who are going to um, have, have filled out the survey. And we thank everybody for that. But they still are trickling in a, a couple of days, so uh, I, I guess there are a few, still a few people out there who might want to do this. So you have until uh, the 15th of, of December when we'll close down the survey, and uh, uh, if you're uh, so inclined, um, you can go to uncontrolledairspace.com slash survey and uh, answer a few questions and help us out. We appreciate it. And we will be reporting some of the results of this survey um, on future podcasts, but we need to kind of wade through it all. Uh, we got a really, really nice uh, collection of uh, responses. Thank you to everyone. Let's see now. David has given us uh, David has given us another of his suggestions for uh, kind of he calls them a starter plane of the week or frugal frugal fly, flying kind of things here. Now apparently the airplane that he turned us onto in the notes uh, a few days back was such a good buy that uh, I don't know if this got you, but suddenly the listing is no longer available. We can't find the listing on the web anymore, and uh, so we're scrambling a little bit. Did you guys find any new uh, cool looking bargain airplanes out there while we were? I did Maybe find you one. That. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, D- uh, Jeb. You go, go first. Go ahead, Jeb. Yeah. Okay. Um, looking at trade a plane online, um, you know, and, and just looking at 172s, and you can search trade a plane in a lot of different ways. You can search for maximum price. You can search, you know, a lot of different things. Um, there's some. There are some pretty good buys out there. Uh, here's. Uh, um, well, let's let's. Just go to Sweptail standard, you know, 172. There's a, uh, um, where to go? 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 Ah, here it is. 65 Cessna 172F. Total time 4,700 hours. Uh, that's less time than is on my debonair. Mm-hmm. Um, prices listed at 29.7. Um, 523 hours since major overhaul. 40 cents new prop, fresh attitude indicator, uh, annual conducted, annual inspection conducted in September, all logs, all ADs complied with, new altimeter, new encoder, new tires and tubes in July, IFR and uh, static uh, transponders check done in, in June, um, dual VOR with a glide slope, an oil filter, which for those who aren't familiar, um, the, the original engines came with simply an oil screen. Uh, that was, you know, pulled every every so often and, and clean and put back in. The oil filter helps obviously uh, improve the the uh, uh, filtration system in the engine. Uh, GPS with moving map, dual nav comms, and uh, uh, the the, re- the engine was rebuilt by a well-known shop uh, uh, located in North Carolina. Um, list price on that is twenty nine seventy. Probably pick it up for twenty seven. It does seem like a pretty good deal. 26, maybe. Yeah. That, that's, that strikes me as a pretty good deal, especially since that, it's got a lot of the stuff sorted out on it, and it's got a lot of time left on the engine. Yeah. David? Oh, and well-equipped. It's got a yeah. good panel. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, that's, that's an airplane that can take you through your private and well into your instrument and, and, exactly. and on into some serious travel. 
you know, not going to go like a rocket. You know, that's you want to go like a rocket. You don't want a 172. Uh, but man, good insurance rates, good reliability, uh, stone cold, simple, nice flying airplane. Yeah, I think that's a deal. Yeah. Jeb, um, can you identify it for us somehow so people could look it up on Trade-A-Plane? How would they Sure. Um, let's see. I don't know. how. Is there, do they show the tail number? They don't. Well, they do, actually. I just clicked past that. Well, I mean, but is that uh, searchable? That's my question. Uh, yeah. Somebody, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Post, post the link in. The we'll definitely put it in the show notes. About a week. We'll definitely yeah. put this in the show, in the show notes. Um, the in number on it. <clears throat> Uh, and it's not listed now. Oh, yes, I'm sorry, it is. Uh, it, registration number is November 8-1-9-4, uniform. Okay. Uh, it looks like a nice, clean airplane. Yeah, um, sounds like it. Yeah. And I'll... Uh, I'll um, and send along that link as well, and we'll get that I'll in the show notes. Right yeah. David, what'd you find? Well, I'm looking at, for for something with just a little more oomph, uh, the, the downside of this puppy is it's got 2,200 hours on the engine. Uh, the upside of it is that that's a Lycoming O360, and it's apt to go 2,500 to 3,000 hours without an overhaul. But it's a 68 Piper Aero. That's a retract, 180 horsepower, about 135 knots on about 10 gallons an hour. Uh, it's not quite as trick in the panel. Uh Got a Hartzell constant speed prop with only 200 hours, a little over 220 hours on it. Uh, got a new interior in 2000, uh, new windows in 2009. Uh, it ain't bad. It ain't bad. Yeah. And if somebody wanted to, to live with, you're going to need to spend money on that engine, depending on how often you fly and how well you fly. Uh, in four or five years, as long as it's not making metal and got good compression, that O three sixty can go a long time. But you're gonna to want to pay attention to the oil analysis, uh pay attention to your compressions. Uh all the ADs are up to it. It's got a standby vacuum system, uh, and an IFR panel. It's just not quite as slick a panel as what Jeb's talking about, but it is gonna be about twenty knots faster. Yeah, nice. I, I, a dear buddy of mine, a pilot buddy of mine, had an arrow and that uh, he loved. And oh, I and, and, and this is twenty three nine. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I should have mentioned that. Twenty three nine. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You start that. That's because and of the you put engine. In another, you put it in another ten or eleven for uh, uh, an overhaul. Uh, you can probably get a swap out with a new one for twelve or thirteen. Uh, you're still under thirty five grand, and you got a nice solid basic IFR airplane with the with the new engine. Mm-hmm. For under thirty five, and uh, that ain't bad. That ain't bad. Yeah, pretty nice. Uh, what's uh, some identifier for that? A tail number or something they can search on to find it? Um, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. But uh, anybody see. wants to beat us to it. What, what's the headline of the uh, of the item? Uh, the headline of the item is nineteen sixty eight Piper Arrow for sale. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so people can confirm that they've got, found the right one. What's the tail number or the location or something like that? Well, I'm looking for that, and I'm not sure I've seen it yet. Uh, I have not. Look at a photo. Maybe the photo will show me. Oh, here we go. Four, five, nine. I'm sorry. Let me blow that up. Make sure that I'm reading that correctly. Four, five, nine, or zero, Juliet. Okay. And where's it located? Does it say? 
They usually do, but not always. Ohio. Okay. All right. We'll definitely put links to these in the show notes. But uh, by the way, one one bit of uh, feedback we've been getting um, from the from the survey is uh, is is that people who use the show notes tend to go there in the first few days after we post an episode, um, which makes sense because a lot of people listen, obviously, in the first few days after we post an episode. But in the first few days after we post an episode, the show notes haven't been updated yet. It's just not part of our workflow. Um, we may look into changing that. I, I'm not sure how we would because it's kind of a labor-intensive thing. But uh, but we've heard that bit of feedback that, uh, that, a, that a lot of people are going to the show notes before they're updated. And uh, we're going to see what we can do here. Um, uh, Jeff does great work doing the show he notes, does, yeah. um, but but part of the trade-off is that he doesn't get to it immediately after we uh, after we post an episode. Yeah, this being a volunteer-funded operation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, he does great notes, but but sometimes you know, and I can't complain because sometimes the episode doesn't get posted for a while either. So, anyways, um, now that's something that we can bring up at a staff meeting. Yeah, I know. It's, as long as Jeb remembers to bring a staff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Give it a try. See what happens. Uh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, that's two very interesting airplanes. We're going to try and do that on a regular basis because uh, I, I think it's pretty interesting, and and listeners have confirmed that they like that as well. What's well, next? and 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 uh, the 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 occasional note still drops into my email. Uh, you know, you you talk about this. What would you do for that? I mean, how much could you really get into this for? And uh, so. Uh, I think we made a dent with that message our first few years, and then we kind of drifted away from it a little bit. So, little bit, yeah. little you know, us dragging it back in, if not an every week thing, a couple of times a month thing, uh, to kind of remind people, you can get 10 and 15-year financing on some of these airplanes, which means that you, Dave, you, you can't buy a new car for that little money. Yeah. Jeb. Yeah. Dave, while we're on this topic, um, 1962... Piper Comanche 250. List price is $25,000. 7388 total time, 1166 since major, 407 since new three blade, 90 gallons, some low presti mods, needs paint. Um, Narco uh, 812 Navcom with glide slope, DME KX170B with glide slope. I just got to it. Yeah, KMA-20 with marker, AT-50 transponder with encoder. Um, glass is excellent. Front seats need to be recovered. So you need paint and interior. Um, and there's probably some other stuff wrong with it. You can knock the price down. but uh, And it's got a cool end number, too. What's the end number? November 1, Ver, uh, November 1 um, Victor, Victor Tango. Tango. One Victor Tango. Yeah, that is cool. Vermont. One That's Vermont. not a bad-looking airplane. It's yeah. not a bad-looking airplane. Where Folks, is it located? Is it in Vermont? It's in Vermont. Vermont, yeah. One Vermont. So I'm. I, so I'm, here's my might, fantasy. It might have been the governor's plane, right? The governor, no. I'm thinking it was the state airport director. But, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh -huh. The, the governor could, well, of Vermont could, was flying well, a Comanche, I'm sure, yeah. Uh, David, I'm sorry. We kept interrupting you. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, two 170Bs with glide slope, uh, uh Gemini and the, or I'm sorry, one one seventy and the Narco. That's a good starter airplane, uh, boy. And you know me. I mean, nothing against Arrows because we owned a Cherokee once ourselves. But if it came down to the money for that Arrow and this, uh, this Comanche wins that fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Comanche, well, it's a roomier, faster airplane. It's got fifty more horsepower too. 
Uh, yeah, it's got like eight, 70 more horsepower. Yeah. Oh, is it 180, 180 arrow? Um, yeah. yeah. We can have that conversation offline. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, on another, another speaking of, uh, let's see, now, speaking of uh, affordable aircraft, um, this is kind of interesting. Um, the uh, Pipistrel. The uh, now, see, I know Pipistrel as a company that was touting an electric airplane at uh, at Oshkosh this summer. I think it was. You don't know about their their motor gliders and their LSAs. I guess I'm their... not that familiar, and I should be because our our friend from from Stuttgart um, is is involved with them, and um, I sh- and I'm learning oh, they, more. And what I'm learning they, they is, make some really pretty airplanes. Yeah, and what I'm learning is that one of the new airplanes that one of the new designs that they have announced, and I'm not sure if they've exactly committed no they're sort of saying they're going to do it is uh what they're calling an alpha trainer um that it's uh, it's a little two-seat high wing fixed gear um, um aircraft uh, very s- kind of sleek looking you know uh, very uh, um uh, sleek well, it, this is this is a, this is not a shabby approach pipistrelle has made some really beautiful very very nice handling very clean uh, uh, airplanes in the light sport category for a long time. Right. The motor gliders and, and their two-place uh, microlights by European standards predate our LSAs. They've been around for a while. Uh, this is a composite airplane. Yeah. Uh, but with beefed-up landing gear, uh, you give it a cruise speed of 108 knots, two and a half gallons. <laughs> I know. Well, you have to laugh. Huh? Two and a half gallons an hour fuel burn. Um, so, uh, and uh, but here's the punchline: um, they're aiming to f- sell these things new for eighty three thousand dollars, which I know is not twenty nine thousand for you know for one seventy two. But but you know, um, n- new LSAs are well over a hundred thousand, with some exceptions. LSAs are over well over a hundred thousand um, dollars. Cessna just announced that they're raising the expected price of the. Uh, of the one sixty two you know to to what one hundred and fifty one hundred and sixty thousand dollars something like that uh, they they bumped the price so this uh, this cool looking little two seat trainer for eighty three thousand new is kind of very very appealing i i'm i'm impressed um, so you know gonna have to watch this one and uh and maybe next time instead of uh chocolate we could get a ride in one of these that would be kind of fun yeah yeah that'd be good um while we're you know, just before we leave this, here's a 1966 Mooney M20E Super21. As I recall, that's got the inje- fuel-injected 200-horse uh, Lycoming in it. This particular one has a uh, Mooney 201 windshield, uh, some other mods. Uh, it has been in storage since 1996. Needs an annual and fuel bladders, according to this. I'm sure it will need a few other things. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's got a it's got a Lorraine in the panel, which is you sure that's not the Mooney that's sitting uh, down there. Uh, these days, you sure that's uh, not the Mooney that's I'm sitting sure. down there in in uh, sure. Randy and what's her name's uh, uh, ramp um, next to the uh, uh, no, it's the not, gazebo it's not. at Hidden River. I, I, I have I have designs on that Mooney actually, but that's another issue. Really? Oh, okay. Uh, this this one's in Bartow, uh, Florida, All according right. to the uh-huh. it's listed. It listed at twenty four nine. Um, you know, obviously needs an annual, needs a real going through, and it's going to need some some radios and stuff like that. If the price was right, and you had a mechanic to help you with it, and things like that, and you weren't in a real big hurry to go fly, this could be a really good traveling airplane for you. Mm, yeah. But uh, I, I probably piqued somebody's interest here. I'm looking for a gate sentry airplane. 
I, get, hang on a second here. Did we just lose David again? What's going on here? Uh, something just beeped at me here. I think we lost David again. Stand by, Jeb, please. Go ahead. All right, we've got David back. Um, uh, something's really going wrong with the internet in Wichita, Kansas, and uh, we weren't able to get him back on Skype. So we've got David on his cell phone now. David, you there? I think so. Okay. Uh, I don't remember leaving, but I know I went away. Okay. Now I'm trying to remember what we were talking about before we. Hey, were I'll, really I'll, I'll fix it for you. Uh, what I was saying is, I'm looking for a gate sentry. That's right. The, okay. And what what do you have in mind for a gate sentry? I'm just looking for an air an airframe, no engine, no interior, no instruments, uh, nothing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I just want an airframe. And uh, I have some plans for it. Uh-huh. I, I think um, I know what you're talking about. I, I, don't, yes. I don't want to reveal too much here. But no, I don't either. I don't either. Right. But, but can uh, we put it on a pylon? We need to put a big post in the ground. We're, so. we're going we're gonna to do something like that, yes. Very cool. Um, <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm, I'm obviously not looking to spend a whole lot of money. Um, and I obviously don't want to have to truck something from, you know, Nova Scotia or something. Yeah, well, that Mooney might be just the answer. The satanic, I, mechanic, that's one, why, yeah, the satanic mechanic one time commented that the most cost-effective thing to do to that Mooney would be to light it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's right. Um, he's, he's exactly right. That so, thing, that thing is, is contributing uh, to the bauxite uh, uh, concentrations in the soil around here. That's about the extent of its contribution. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, if anybody knows of an airplane that's someplace near Hidden River, near Sarasota, that, uh, that is, is never going to fly again, it might, have a, it might become part of legend. That's uh, right. You never know. That's right. Anyways. Hey, listen, we're and reaching... I'm, and, I'm not, and I'm not going to set it on fire. Okay, good to know. Good to know. I'm sure that will make the difference. Uh, reaching the end of our allotted time here, uh, we're going to do shout-outs, but uh, anything on the list before shout-outs that you don't want to skip or that you don't want to push till next week? Yeah, I, there, there's something I can insert as a shout-out. All right, then, go let's ahead. go. I'll, uh, I'll jump in when the time comes. Well, that's all right. I'm going to say shout-outs. David, what, what is it you want to do? What's the first one? Well, I'd, I'd, I'd like to uh, uh, <laughs> I know where he's send going. my raspberries off to uh, the the folks in Congress, uh, particularly the House, who suddenly decided that they cannot move forward with FAA authorization without uh, uh, trying to deal with an an ancillary, unrelated, non-germane labor issue that has nothing to do with the FAA's budget. Uh, They were moving forward, and then today... The, uh, the 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 leadership on the uh, on the majority side of the house up and threw up a roadblock said they're not going to allow anything to happen to this bill unless they get their way on this one issue. So as uh, an association president was pointing out to me last week, one of the frustrating things in Washington is that it's no longer even easy. I mean, even even uh, reliable to get done. Easy things that everybody agrees needs to be done, like funding the freaking FAA. So here's my raspberries to those folks in Congress that think that my way or the highway is the only way that they can govern. Uh, you are screwing up the works and you're making life bad for everybody, and somebody needs to get you over it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I, hope, I, I, hope, I hope Dave was making finger quotes when he used the word leadership. Yeah, he was doing something with his fingers, but... Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I have one also here. Yes. Uh, oh, well, okay. I, I, I thought you meant a finger, but okay. Well, yeah. I, I have. I have. I have a couple of those. Um, I have two actually, <laughs> uh, and related both 
uh, related to uh, um, um, aviation associations in Washington. Yeah. Uh, first one is congratulations to what used to be called the Air Transport Association of America. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because a rose by any other name, yeah. Right. A rose by any other name would, would smell as badly. Um, but uh, they, the, the ATA, as it's come to be known and loved, is changing its name from the Air Transport Association to America, uh, I'm sorry, to Airlines for America. Yeah, see, I don't understand this. But I, well, I understand that any anything that comes by the name for America, I know, yeah, is 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 uh, counterintuitive. It's it's uh, you know um, sand in the Vaseline, shall we say? Um, and uh, okay, fine. Uh, why why they need to do that? I don't know. I don't know what their focus group said. I don't know who's paying for this. I don't know what. Uh, um, uh, what they're trying to prove, but okay, fine. Uh, so they go. They they they'll now go to instead of ATA, they'll be known as A4A, which kind of sounds like you know. Yeah. Uh, now, are they know. in fact using? I've seen it written as the letter A, the number four, the letter A. <clears throat> is that what yeah. they're promoting, or is that just some yep. shorthand? Yep. That's yeah. But, but that doesn't but even make sense. It the four is not a, the number right. four. Right. And right. and you know what? They what? spent a lot of money doing this. Oh yeah, this is not a, this Which is not makes a cheap... you really wonder about the sad financial straits of the airlines that we're always hearing about when their trade association decides to spend money on new stationery, new business cards, redoing the website, U.S. Patent and Trademark Office filings. Uh, wow, uh, I guess things aren't as bad as we've been led to believe. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, anyways, in the future, this, this, we, yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. This all comes in the week where, where AMR parent company. Of American Airlines and American Eagle uh, filed bankruptcy, Chapter 11 bankruptcy, with $4.1 billion in cash available. So, yeah, yeah I, you know, I, I can't get too worked up. You know, I'm not going to be crying, you know, along with these airlines about how they're so cash poor. Yeah. Anyways. So, okay. uh, my, other, my other little shout out here is, yeah. is, is more of an upbeat thing. Uh, to AOPA and NBAA and probably EAA and, and a couple of other uh, of the alphabet soup up there, <clears throat> which um, recently succeeded in uh, reversing the FAA's policy um, on the uh, um, BAR program. I forget what BAR stands for, uh, but um, uh, aircraft thank registration you. request. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, in you know full disclosure, I recently uh, participated in that and, and blocked my uh, in number from appearing on some of the uh, the ASDI uh, uh, vendor sites around the internet. Uh, uh, Flight aware being perhaps most prominent, but uh, putting that aside, uh, the FAA, in its infinite wisdom, earlier this year decided arbitrarily that it would no longer allow. Uh, random, um, um, without a really, really good reason that only they decide, um, uh, people uh, to to allow people to block their end number from appearing in this data stream, and um, um, NBAA, AOPA, I believe AOPA, uh, EAA, and, and again some other some of the other alphabet soup uh, went up to the hill and managed to get Congress to insert a provision uh, in a recently passed. I think it was the the DOT appropriations bill. Uh, to overturn that FAA policy and force the FAA to once again 
um, uh, block in numbers uh, on on request without any show of of uh, uh, any uh, quote legitimate security concern unquote um, that again the FAA would be the one to pass judgment on. So that's that's quite a feather in in uh, every. Everybody's cap and congratulations to them. Um, there's some uh, not. It's not clear how this program is going to develop, nor is it clear uh, that uh, this is the final answer. This is an appropriations bill. They're only good for one year. We might get to do this again next year. You think? Yeah. Okay. Uh, David, any other shoutouts? Uh, yeah, real quick one. Uh, uh, this one, we're actually kind of lauding the FAA. Uh, they made some changes to special flight rules area requirements in uh, Washington, D.C., the uh, airspace there that would make life a little easier for folks who fly in and out of or train at Leesburg Airport outside D.C. Right. I think we talked uh, about this last week, didn't we? We, we did, we, briefly. Is did it, we talk about it last week? We okay. did talk about it last week. Unless there's been some addition, but, yeah, we talked about it a week ago. Well, just a reminder that there's a new course that you should visit uh, so that you can get updated on the information. If you're flying in that area, you're supposed to have passed this course and have in your logbook a little certificate that says that you passed the course. It's online. Uh, It's basically open book if you want to do it that way. Uh, But uh, you might want to update yourself on it because uh, if you go in and use the old rules, they'll be going, "Uh, why are you messing with us? Why why are you bothering us? So. And, and one other thing that we, we talked about in a recent episode, I don't know if it was the last one or the one before that, it was the annual Holly Run to Tangier Island. I think it was last week, yeah. What I think it was, too. Uh, it, was, it was held this last uh, Saturday, uh, the 3rd. Uh, I'm sorry, Sunday. No, I'm, I'm reading this right, the 3rd, uh, Saturday of the, week, the previous weekend. 45 airplanes wow. participated in this, more than 100 people. And in fact, he got a write up in the metro front page of the metro section of the Washington Post uh-huh. uh, yep. over the weekend. Uh, hats off to uh, to Helen Woods and uh, everybody else who who helped make this happen. Uh, and Helen floated an email here to the DC pilots list. Special thanks to Santa, the NAB family, AOPA, uh, the CSP uh, volunteer elves. I don't know what CSP stands for. Um, and uh, all the air, all the pilots and, and aircraft owners and everybody else who participated. It sounds like it was a really good lick this year, and, and congratulations to everybody. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Okay. I think that's it. I think it's time to stick a fork in this one, uh, if only because Dave's cell phone battery is going to die before before long here. No, no, i got it plugged into the charger. We'll ah, get. okay. All right. Well, then I'll let Jeb go first. Jeb is a freelance aviation writer and editor, uh, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, where can people find you on the Internet? AviationSafetyMagazine.com, JEBurnside.com, AEA.net, sometimes, and sometimes also on AvWeb.com. And Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, where can people find you on the Internet when the Internet is working for you? Yeah, uh, well, it's funny. Everything seems to be working but Skype. Yeah. Well, uh, AEA.net, uh, avbuyer.com, uh, that aviation safety thing that Jeb quoted, uh, or just do a random Google search. And remember, I don't play golf, and all of my theoretical physics are still theoretical. 
And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Big thanks to Jeff Ward for creating our show notes. Thanks to Mike Morgan, Royce Earl, and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP, UCAP Disclaimer Clips. We are also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage in the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big, big help. And remember, there's still time to uh, fill out the fall listener survey. If you've already done it, thank you. If you haven't, please take a couple of minutes at uncontrolledairspace.com slash survey. And don't forget, you can visit with all of us at the rest of the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the aviation movies list, the new ratings, webpage of fame, and more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, what were you going to say? best way to get to old age is to go fly because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talk, and let's go flying. AMFFN. AMFFN.